having a sense of balance can help with longevity. You will have to sacrifice for success because like you need to work harder than your competitor is like if you want to be successful, but like just understanding that that's what you're signing up for, I think is really important. You're listening to Hawk Talk, a podcast all about the origin stories of the most interesting people in the world. Today, you know our guests as famous athletes, authors, and entrepreneurs, but there's so much more to this story. Let's get into today's interview with your host, Eric Huber. All right. You're listening to Hawk Talk. I'm here today with Jake Casson. How you doing, man? Good. How you doing? Good, good. So to kick it off, I assume like two years old, you've got like 17 watches on each arm in the trench coat. You're walking around the playground. Like where did it all start? Where are you from? Yeah, no, I mean, to be honest, yeah, watches were never something that I was like extremely passionate about, but my entrepreneurial kind of journey, you know, started just, I was, I was just young trying to figure out ways to make money, you know, we didn't like kind of grew up in a middle-class family and was always just kind of pushed by my parents to try and figure out, you know, a way to, to make money. And I think it was kind of instilled in me, like you got to work hard if you want, you know, to succeed or, yep. you know, just if you want, it wasn't even that I was materialistic or anything. It's just like, I, I always wanted financial freedom from an early time. Like we would go on vacations once every few years. And I'd always think about when I got older, I wanted to be able to, you know, provide that for myself and my family. And I was really just motivated to like, yeah, to be able to travel and, 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 and have that financial freedom. So, so I would just kind of stumble into different businesses like th- early in high school and which led to even like, you know, kind of straight into college and nice. yeah. And to start today, get back. Where are you from originally? Valencia, which is just an, an hour outside of LA. Yeah. An hour outside of LA. So. And what did your parents do? It sounds like they were good inspiration and motivator for you to go hustle, but what were they doing? Yeah. Mom was more, more or less, you know, stay at home parent. And then my dad had his own company so I, I got to see, you know, kind of his success and get nothing crazy. It, it actually largely what probably motivated me was during the 2008 financial crisis, his business of 23 years went under and I saw my parents really financially struggle for the first time ever. And I was the oldest of three. So, you know, being 16 or whatever at the time, I probably had a closer, you know, it hit me a little differently. I think I saw the anxiety a bit and just realized like, I want not only do I want to provide for myself, but I want to help and provide for my parents as well. Got it. And what was his business? To be honest, I still don't really understand it. Uh, it was <laughs> something to do with credit reports for, okay. I think some, something to do with like credit reports for like mortgage companies or something like that. So got it. And yeah. Cause, and do you think there was a part of it that's like, cause I had this, my dad was an entrepreneur and growing up, I just took it for granted. That's like, that's what you can do. You don't have to go get a job. You can just go build your own thing. Like, was that part of your DNA or is that not part of the driver of doing your own thing? Yeah. I think it was like being in control and um, I don't know. It was kind of just, you know, he definitely, there was a lot of things that just was instilled in me and I, and I don't even remember necessarily the motivation. I think, you know, he probably had a motivation for me, but, but really what it stemmed down for me was like, there wasn't a career path that I identified with that I really yeah. wanted to do. So just being in control of my destiny, like got, got me excited just thinking about owning a company and then, you know, ultimately like, so like the, the freedom with that, even though, as we know, like, yeah. you know, when you work for yourself, like you, you're going to work harder than when you're working for someone else. So, yeah. you know, loosely freedom, but really it just, I think it came down to just like the lifestyle that I wanted to be able to live and Got it. You know, th- like entrepreneurs were kind of my heroes. It wasn't athletes. It wasn't, you know, I was going to ask. So from a young, was that from a young age or was that? Yeah, I mean, you know, addicted to, to, to Shark Tank, obviously, when it first came out. Anyone I would meet, doesn't matter what business they had, I'd be 
picking their brain, like, you know, almost like, you know, just give them instant respect about and, and, and just want to learn. I was like a sponge to anyone who had like successfully made it any sense. Uh, you know, I, I was very curious on, on how they look at the world differently than, than, you know, the typical person. Yeah. Makes sense. And so what was the first job gig or first business? Like what was the first thing you did? Was it lemonade or? <sighs> yeah. I mean, early, early days, probably the, the first time that I really ran with something was my dad had a friend who like had uh, uh, like sold lollipops at wholesale and he gave me these boxes of lollipops and I uh, took, I was just, I was in seventh or eighth grade at the time, took out all the books in my, in my backpack, stuck this massive box of lollipops and would just sell lollipops during class. And, uh, you know, clearly wasn't a great uh, academically gifted student. So like I was just giving, I was just selling lollipops and I made like four or 500 bucks selling lollipops in, in a month. And I just like, the, 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 I had purpose. It was like, you know, yeah. like I just felt fulfilled and driven. And like, I think that time and time again, I had examples of like, you just got to try, you got to, you know, figure it out. And like, I think that DNA was embedded into me at a very young age, just from, you know, uh, trial and error. Got it. And so during so that seventh eighth grade during high school was, were you focused on, did you do sports? Were you, what kind of things were you in or were you focused on working? Like, yeah. So my story, my story was like, I, I was playing soccer, you know, I wasn't great. I wasn't going to go anywhere, but like very poor again, academically, like pretty much was barely passing mainly because I didn't apply myself. I just didn't understand it, but I actually uh, injured my knee and had surgery my senior year, I believe. And during that time, it was like a decision, you know, I'm either going to get another surgery to try and play, or I'm going to just stop. And I decided to stop. And with all the free time I had, I actually started this like t-shirt brand, which ended up turning into this business that was generating a few hundred thousand dollars in revenue by the time I was like 20. And was that, that all online already or what? That, that was e-commerce. So like mm -hmm. I start, I started with this e-commerce store called Zencart. I don't even think it's around mm -hmm. anymore. And then was, was slow of selling, you know, one t-shirt a week. And then I was doing YouTube had just come out and I was you know, kind of doing growth hacky stuff on YouTube and, and created this viral video about Kanye West that got, got me, you know, half a million views. I started selling, you know, like $10,000 of t-shirts a month. Yeah. And it just kind of like opened up my eyes to e-commerce at night yeah. at, at 17 years old. I like, I was using the word e-commerce, e which was 2008, 2007. Yeah. That's awesome. Which again, gave me like kind of the authority to be like, I know that this works. And I, and I kind of saw the future of it, right? It's like, I feel like getting in the crypto space, you know, 10 years ago, you know that there's something there and then you're just invested in it, so. Yeah, that's awesome. And so where, and where'd you go to school? Valencia, same thing, or college. Uh, yeah. In college, I went to, so similarly, Santa Barbara's community college dropped out after my first year because this business was like, starting to grow and yeah. and I dropped out to start a retail store and, and kind of balance the two. Was the retail in Santa Barbara or Valencia? The retail is actually in the Valley at the Northridge Mall. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, but that lasted a year, less than a year. And then what I realized is yeah, retail, it, it was not a good, a lot of overhead. <laughs> and like, yeah. again, I, I, so I failed. Basically I opened the retail store and then the business went under because I ran out of cash uh, yeah. because of overhead and staying, staying open. So I learned, I learned the difficulties of like retail at the smallest level, but I learned a, a very, you know, good lesson about e-commerce and, you know, just the differences in terms of like economics of it. So 
Yeah, no, makes sense. And so what happened next? You, your business fails. Were you just like, did you take that to heart? Or were you kind of like, all right, well, that happened. I learned time to move on. Yeah, I had a, I, I tried to have a short, like short-term memory, right? Like I tried, yeah. like I knew, I knew I, I didn't, I remember walking away from that, not realizing, like not being able to remember anything that I had learned specifically, like, which really frustrated me because I wasn't able, you know, I was like, what can I write down right now? I remember the door, like turning off the lights for the last time. What can I write down right now that I really can apply? And I couldn't think about it, which frustrated me, but you know, I would, I would constantly be thinking about what my next thing was revolving around e-commerce. And, and this was right around the time Kickstarter was going on too. So Kickstarter yep. was really cranking. And, you know, I started playing around with different ideas of, of, of products and brands and things that I enjoyed and, and watches was something that like, you know, I probably had 10 ideas, but watches was something that really clicked. Seemed like there wasn't a brand that re- was really doing it well. I love, I did enjoy fashion and watches, but there wasn't a brand out there that I resonated with. I was 20 at the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we launched on, on uh, a crowdfunding platform and, and that was basically like the start of movement. You know, we knew we wanted to take it to e-commerce. I already had some familiarity there. So yeah, it was, it was, and then, and then as I started to go, it was like, oh, okay. I, I've been here before with my last business that went under, like I started to really remember things that didn't work. And, you know, areas that I probably would have spent thinking or, or spending money or, or just time, spending time in the wrong areas. I think I quickly knew what to do and, and where to go. And, and it really, really helped with, with movement, especially in the early days. And did you have watches already made when you went out and did the, did you do Kickstarter or which platform did you use? So we ended up using Indiegogo. So we went on um, Google and found like a basically a consultant and yep. And met with different people and talked to different people and finally we met with a consultant who, who yeah he worked with us and um and we, we manufactured some samples of watches and then and yeah like ran with them so we actually had samples of watches that we basically like it was like a five thousand dollar investment just for like a handful of samples you yep. take pictures you do the video like you, you know you, you basically it's a thesis of like what you know of what you want to be able to to, to launch and then if people yep. like it they pre-order it on indiegogo and did you, were you hyper-confident? Like, this is definitely going to be huge and I'm going to, you know, this is going to be fun. Like everyone's going to love these watches or how did you feel going out? I wouldn't say hyper-confident, but like, you know, you, you got to believe in what you're doing. So yeah. like, I, there was a, there was a strong belief that like, you know, I mean, early days, like early, early days, like pre-launch, me and my business partner would talk about like, this thing is going to be, this is going to be big. Like we believe it. Like, why wouldn't it be big? I like, it was hard. We, we saw it so clear, obviously, you know, like we were naive of like how everything works, but like, we didn't know how we were going to get there or how difficult it was going to get to, to, you know, build revenue to where we, we wanted to. But like, you know, for us at the time, we weren't thinking like, Oh, we're going to be a, you know, 50, 60, $70 million brand. We were just thinking like, we could make, you know, this could be a multi-million dollar brand and yeah. didn't know how exactly, but like that's the entrepreneurial way. So, yeah. Got it. And so Indiegogo and Indiegogo was pretty new then too, right? Yeah, it was like, you know, Kickstarter was definitely popular, but there was like certainly a craze going on and people were like, you know, really eager to, to put money towards these projects. Kickstarter wouldn't let us on for some weird reason. Back then it was, they had like really strict guidelines. Huh. Uh, Indiegogo took us and, and yeah, like we, we just executed really well. We had studied like crowdfunding platforms and mm-hmm. how the algorithms work and you know really like i use the term growth hack but like that that was back then like yeah. it was pretty easy to like i don't want to say easy but it was like pretty like 
there wasn't as many hoops to jump through. Like we could, you know, like if you knew what you were doing and that some people just launched on, on these crowdfunding sites and yep. just was like, all right, let's see what the, the yeah. website does. Like we, we very much drove traffic. We very much like made sure we gave ourselves the best chances for success and like, and it worked. So like, we weren't ultimately, it wasn't like complete luck. Like we weren't surprised that it, yeah. it worked because we had put a lot of time and energy into, you know, making sure it succeeded. Yeah, makes sense. And how did it go? How much did you raise off that? A total of about like 300 grand. Nice. Um, so yeah. I'm curious your reaction. Like, did, where where was your sort of, where do you expect to land? Like, was that pretty about ballpark what you thought you would do? Or was it like, holy shit? Or was it like, damn, I thought we could make it to 500? Well, I think if we were on Kickstarter, we would have done significantly more. Like, I think that would have been a million dollar project on Kickstarter just because the amount of people that are on that platform. So like 300 grand was great. We were really happy with that. You know, in comparison to some of these other brands, like I think Bomba is funny enough, actually launched a month before us. And they, I think they might've done just a little under us, like maybe a hundred grand less than us, or maybe yeah. 50 grand or something. Dave, so, by the way, was on the podcast a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. So yeah, just, cool. it's just yeah. a funny, uh, but like, and I know Dave too, like, yeah, he's great. You know, it, it's just funny to like, see, it's just funny to like, you look back and you, you don't realize it, but yeah. So we, we were like happy with that. I mean, I think cool. it just it, somewhere in that range was like what we kind of anticipated or hoped. And then I know with, Kickstarters and or Indiegogo, whatever you're doing, crowdfunding, a lot of times you raise this money and then it's like, oh shit, now you got to deliver. <laughs> yeah. So how was that process of like, now you got to actually send people watches and actually build the product, which you built a prototype, but were you ready to go? Because I know, honestly, a lot of these companies fail right there. They just never get it out. What was yeah. that? The coolest core? Did, I don't know. It was the toolbox that never sent anyone yeah. out. And, and I think the coolest cooler. Oh yeah, you that's know, right. For us, the manufacturer, like if, if you get caught up on supply chain and costs, then you're in trouble. Right. But for us, you know, Bombas, like these are, these are products that are relatively been, you know, there's manufacturers that exist for them. Like it's not, you're not recreating the wheel. You don't need to have like a, you know, be a engineer or anything like that. So it's, it's, it was more so just making sure you're aligned with the right partners from like that, the supply chain standpoint. Yeah. Having, making sure that you have a fulfillment partner. So we, you know, we found, we found, you know, good, good suppliers. I think there was delays, but like, you know, in terms of getting the product, people were happy. We, we also made sure that like, number one, it was always customers first. Like if we were delayed, if people were unhappy, like we, we just did everything in our power to message. We were on phone calls with people. We were like, we just wanted to make sure that people knew that like, we appreciated them taking a, a chance on us. And we're going to make sure that we, yeah, just cater to, to whatever, you know, whatever comments they have. So. Makes sense. And so you hit the ground, you get those products delivered. How quickly did it really start to take off? Like from the, did you immediately launch the e-commerce site once the Indiegogo was done or what was next? Yeah. So that was like the goal. Like that was what I kind of knew from just previous days. I was like, we need to have a website the day we have to be, have a functioning e-commerce website the day. So again, like we just put money into building a website and they, the literally, you know, the, the, the Indiegogo stopped and directed people to the website and, and we sold watches that day and every day forward uh, on the yeah. website and like yeah i think initially our, our, our prices were actually like much significantly cheaper they're like 60 dollars for a watch back then just yeah. we, we were giving it to people for a very like a discounted price and and we upped it to to like a reasonable you know uh margin for us and then or markup for us and, and yeah just kind of sold watches every day since and and then really it was like First year we did a million dollars in revenue and it was a lot of working with press and 
trying to like figure out ways to organically push revenue and using social media and still doing the growth hacky ways. But after year one, you know, we, after doing a million dollars, we were like, okay, I, I don't know how we're going to continue to just organically, yeah. like if we really want to scale this, we need to put money behind acquisition and bringing customers in and, and, and awareness. But we knew we wanted to do it effectively because we hadn't raised any money. So every dollar we spent was not for nothing. We wanted to make sure that there was a return and it was early days. So we definitely were, you know, we weren't dealing with all the iOS yeah. you know, bullshit that everyone's dealing with right now, but an Instagram and influ- the word influencer wasn't a thing yet. So TikTok was just a sparkle in someone's eyes. So yeah, it, uh, it was different, but. And you guys had a lot of success with that, right? You saw really high returns off social ads. I just yeah, back then it was like, it, yeah, we just didn't have the capital to, to run with it though. So it's yeah. like, and also, you know, the, the, the thing I kind of compare it to is like, no one knew where to go. Like at one point we said, do we start a Twitter account? I said, we, we only have enough resources to really manage accounts well. So like, do we, first off, do we start a Twitter account or do we start an Instagram account? Do yeah. we spend, do we spend money on, on Facebook or do we spend money on Google? Like no, there wasn't like, a true way of like succeeding at where now everyone's like, Oh, Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. Or like, so it was just a, there was a different issue back then of just not knowing. And there wasn't experts and like, it was just a black box, but like, I really invested a lot of time into Facebook myself to learn the platform. Instagram made sense for us. We're a visual product, obviously that like, so those things aligned and, and we just like, you know, I guess it was kind of common sense back there, but yeah, we, we just chose, you know, uh, social media platforms that really made the most sense and then invested our time, fortunately, in the areas that that really scaled for everyone. So I'm curious on that note, when's the last time you actually jumped into Facebook and like managed an ad? Have you done it a while or are you still do it? I mean, I don't I don't do it anymore. There's like, you know, I'm, I'm investing in brands now. So like, I'll, I'll take a look okay. behind the covers and just and just see and just just to keep enough like knowledge yeah. there. And like, I certainly don't consider myself like, an expert. I feel like I've just accrued knowledge over the years, but yeah, so I I mean, I can still get, you know, work my way around, but it's awesome. And so how was that scaling progression? Like you did the, and you can you bootstrapped all through and through, right? You never raised money. Never raised. Yeah. Yeah. So were there times where you were like, Oh shit, I don't know if this is going to make it kind of thing. Cause that, I mean, bootstrapping, you get thin. It's just a par for the Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So we had a line of credit that we would use for like, I think, I think we use it for inventory primarily just to get, you know, inventory. But there was one time specifically, I remember I was at shop talk in Vegas. Yeah. It was a handful of years ago. And like we had, we had, we had to put a PO in for way too much inventory. It just, it was just a a mistake that we had made and, and like (laughs) we were going to run out of money. And it just was like, oh my God, is this how it ends? But we were able to like work out, you know, deal with the manufacturer. Because ultimately, like, if we go out, if we run out of money, then they lose the business. Like, it's not good for anyone. So there's always like a way to figure it out. You know, I know, I know brands too, even today that like have gone through similar situations and like they fire half the team or they fire, you know, like you just, you do what you have to do. Yep. And then, and then I have, I know businesses that like do that. I actually know two businesses that have done that. And now they're like absolutely crushing it. Right. Like you just yeah. have to be willing to like, fortunately we didn't have to go through those, those, those like, you know, wartime situations, but like, yeah. you know, for us, that, that was the scariest part. We were able to like work it out with our manufacturer and like, but that was like, 
that was the biggest like scary but we were always tight on cash i mean it was yeah. like that was the point though if you aren't then you're wasting money like I, my favorite line about money recently is it's a melting ice cube or pile yeah. of ice cubes like yeah. it's sitting there it's just losing value it's so losing value. exactly yeah. Yeah. no and so uh, well that, but that's awesome i mean and again everyone goes through it in the wartime thing it's what i've seen with like COVID as an example and how people had to pivot during that the ones that lean into it, as you said, and make the hard decisions, or maybe they're not so hard. They just don't stick their head in the sand when there's a problem. Yeah. The ones that fight another day, no matter what your industry is. So yeah. I watched gym chains and restaurants crush it during COVID because they pivoted to virtual and digital and delivery and all these things. So yeah, that's cool. And so at what point did you feel like, holy shit, I've built something like I'm successful. Like I've built something really big and this, this, this is crazy kind of thing. Was there an, any point that you kind of, it hit you or was it just, did you just kind of kept heads down and kept working? I mean, it like, it kind of like multiple points. It's like that. I don't know if hedonic treadmill is the right term here. It's just like, you just are constantly thinking about like you get a million and then you want more and then you want more. And like, and yeah, we like, we scaled, you know, pretty quickly to get our peak. It was like 75 or 80, but like, yeah, you know, first year was 1 million, 7 million, 30, 50, like, and then wow. so on. And like, so we have, so every year it was like, when we thought we were big, we we're like, well, we're still going, we're still going. And then you'd hear about other brands and like, oh, well, they're doing this much revenue, but they raise money and like, yeah. and not to like, in like, I, I think almost too much, you start comparing yourself rather than just like, what's that, what, like, what do you think you're doing right and wrong and how do you maintain a healthy business? So like, yeah. I think we knew that we were doing something really cool, but like, yeah, I don't know that, you know, I, I, I hope, I like to think that we didn't spend too much time really thinking about it. Yeah. And did you get to that point and then just, did you want to sell or did it just happen organically? I mean, we were definitely open-minded to it. Like we, okay. we, you know, we were like considering, Hey, like, you know, do we want to go and raise money and, and yeah. continue to build this thing? Like, you know, ultimately, yeah, like we were, you know, when we, you know, started talking with Movado, it was just, it, it, it made sense from a, you know, uh, an alignment and, and partnership and it just made sense for everyone. And then, and did they reach out and just say, Hey, we really love what you're doing. Let's chat. Like, how did that? Happen? Yeah. We had like a, a relationship, like a light, you know, email phone call relationship over the years. And yeah, it was just, we were kind of talking about where we were, we were considering raising and like, and it just, there was just an alignment and like, you know, obviously it, it, it has to be the right timing and the right partner. And like, it just worked out for us in that sense. Yeah. Awesome. And so how was that process? Did you like, were you happy with it? I know p different people go through selling their business. Like, how was that experience? Were you, the day it closed, was it like, this is incredible. You got some cash, you have some upside on the back end. Were you like, this is awesome. Or how was that feeling? Yeah. I mean, I think, well, I think the best way, well, there's two things. I think there's the psychology of it. And then there's the relationship and like everything. I think from the relationship and everything, like, things were good. I mean, like, you know, we, we, you know, obviously COVID hit and like, you know, there's been, there's some hiccups there obviously for everyone. And, and, but like, yeah, I mean, I got to see their business. They came and, you know, tried to help us in certain areas and are still working on, on with distribution. Like we knew the e-com side, they knew the distribution side. So there was like, you know, alignment there. You obviously, you know, once you sell, some people end up wanting to, like they're not as motivated anymore because, you know, upside or whatever, or maybe yeah. they're just the autonomy you once had, you don't like, you're not a small startup doing, making your own decisions. So, you know, some people left, some people are still there. I'm no longer there, but, and I just left recently after like about three years, but yeah. So, so that relationship was good in terms of the psychology, man. Like, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, like, I'm still kind of like figuring it out, but it's, you know, you, 
you you think like it's there's no destination you know in terms of like you sell the company and then or you you make money and like your, your life is like instantly better or instantly changes like that doesn't exist and if that's what, and, and like that might have been what i was chasing a little bit to be honest like you know money hits your account and like nothing you know nothing changed right no yeah. you, you almost expect for something crazy and then and like so it's just it's the psychology of like trying to adapt to that and just like figuring that out. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was like, obviously I'm grateful that like, there's this, you know, stability and just not, not having to worry about that and, yep. you know, and just figuring out what you're motivated about. So. Well, that, so I got two more questions for you and that brings me to the right to the next one, which is what do you think's next? Like that there's, it's rare that someone does what you've done at your age and then just chills for the rest of their life. I can't imagine that's you. Yeah. Well, so it's, it's interesting. I get, I used to get that question all the time and, and I used to say, Oh, I just want, I do just want to chill and blah, blah, blah. Like I feel like I worked hard to not work again. Like why would I work again? And yeah. I'm realizing that like, if you're super complacent doing nothing for the rest of your life, it's probably a very, there's, there, it's not, it's a very unfulfilling life. Right. Like, so I think like that's part of life is like growth. And I'm fortunate that like right now I am really trying, I am trying to like enjoy the stillness of life and trying to figure out what it is that like enjoying the process of like learning more about myself. I think the one thing as entrepreneurs is like you sat, you're willing to sacrifice things that other people aren't right. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you're willing to sacrifice relationships, you know, maybe your own health or hobbies or, you know, whatever it is. And, and I think that you know, your identity is wrapped up in the one thing. So like, for me, I'm trying to like really test and see what gets me going. So like, I'm investing in different brands, health, health and wellness is something that I love. So I've invested in a lot of like, you know, health brands and, you know, fit and, and food brands. And I like fitness a lot. So like, I've, I've looked at stuff there and you're not, but the thing about an investor in general is you're not actively like, right. You're not actively operating, which is not what I want right now. But you know, I, the question for me is like, I'm not chasing a big, I don't need to do something necessarily bigger than, than movement, right? Like some people end up chasing, they sell a company and they go, okay, I made this. Now I need to make a billion. And like, that's, that's just like, you're doing that for ego for the wrong reasons. Like I was going to say, you've already learned that like, it's a pretty, I don't want to say low barrier, but once you sell a company like you have, et cetera, like a billion dollars, isn't going to change your life. It's weird to say, but it really isn't. Cause unless like other than private jet and yacht, there's not a lot of expenses that actually take that money the the incremental level of like happiness is like just not it's not a lot like you don't get that much from like and and that's just my opinion and and like it's funny what i've been like my life today i'm I'm the happiest i have been and it's been like the littlest it's been going to the beach it's been going on walks it's been doing shit that like and like yeah i'm still doing like i'll go to a nice dinner but the shit i was doing when i had movement and on movement like I'm, i'm doing all that stuff it actually the best thing about selling for me has been the time to work on myself. And like, when I am ready to do that next thing, like it's going to be something that there's a larger motivation than just how do I financially like make more money? Like that'll still be, it's still something I enjoy. There's like, it's the same reason why people like gambling, that that there's a thrill there, but like impacting people, helping people, like giving back, mentoring relationships, like all those things are something that's important to me. And, but, but yeah, it takes time. It could be, I'm not even putting a time frame on it. It could, you know, I just don't, I definitely don't want to jump into something because there's any sense of like need to, if you will. Yeah. So. No, it's when it pops up. If you find that thing, you will. And it yeah. sounds like you're good right now and you're having, you're enjoying yourself, which is awesome. Yeah. Cause I also will say, cause we've had a few, quite a few people on here that have sold companies 
some of them are miserable. Like that's the other side of it is some people sell the company and then go like they locked up so much purpose for themselves in the company or similar to what you said, had this expectation that there's some like miracle feeling when you sell a company that you realize like, no, your number in your bank account just goes up yeah. and it's, yeah, it's interesting. So I'm glad to hear that. And so last question for you, similar to the mentorship thing, if you were to tell someone, you know, getting started, wanting to pursue their dreams, whatever that might be one piece of advice that you either got or wish you got, that's not a cliche thing. What do you think is that like one unique thing you would, again, wish someone told you or someone maybe did tell you that helped you get there along the way? Well, it's funny. I think my old my old bits of advice used to be something about either work hard or like something around hustling or networking or something like that. And, and I, I still think those all can be true. But like, I think it's important to realize that everything has a sacrifice. And, yep. you know, if you spend time going to meet with someone like a mentor, like you're sacrificing time somewhere else, whether it's for family or it's for like your own health or like, you know, so just, just realizing like, you know, I think that having a sense of balance can help with longevity. You may, you will have to sacrifice for success because like you need to work harder than your, your competitor is like, like if you want to be successful, but like just understanding that that's what you're signing up for, I think is really important. And like, I think ultimately it can help you at times to be like, I used to just be so, so far on the, on the sacrifice side for, for work. That was number one priority always because I wanted to be successful and I wanted to be this and like, yeah, fortunately I'm in the place I am now, but like, I think just being more self-aware and realizing like I can sacrifice all of that, but you know, but, but what else am I, what am I giving up on the other side? And like, is there a way to like, at times, like just like, I didn't go on vacations, right? Like I wasn't doing, you know, I, I just wasn't taking care of my body or my mind. And it's like, in hindsight, I could have done things like meditated every day for 20 minutes. That would have helped me. I could have done things. The books I read were only about business. Like I could have done things that like, you know, I, I just, there's so much that you can do to like become a more balanced person that ultimately, like, I feel it now. Like I have a much clearer when talking about business to people, I have such a clearer mind when like, when you feel healthy and like, yeah. every, every, like, and I'm not a believer of like, you hear like the Elon Musk's who sleep, you know, at work and they, and like, I don't know, like that's not a sacrifice I'm willing to do. And although I want to work harder than other people, like I, I actually think that the longevity is a big piece of it and like not burning out is super fucking important. I agree with you. I think like Elon Musk using that example, if that's where you want to go and you're actually going to be another Elon Musk, sure. Maybe it's nice to see someone like him sacrifice like he has because of what he's created. But if you're doing it for an e-commerce brand or something like you're, you're not, you're actually not changing the world. It's still yeah. cool to build a business. It's awesome. I'm, I feel the same way about my own business. I'm not necessarily changing the world, but I'm having a great time, but the balance becomes so important. But early on, a lot of times it takes that sacrifice to get to the point that you can start to achieve that balance. It, yeah. And yeah. It's, yeah. It's just going to make it harder for you on, if you do end up selling it or like when you yeah, do become successful, it's just like on the other side, you're going to be and like, yeah, I guess you can argue like, you know, I'll deal with it when I get there. But I, I would say there's, you will do, you will work better. You, you will produce a better product. You will be a better person if you just think about what sacrifices you're making, you know, in the present moment. Totally agree. Well, Jake, this has been awesome. Thank you for coming on Hawk Talk. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Hawk Media is your outsourced CMO and marketing team. We'll dive into your business for free. Identify opportunities in your marketing strategy, then get you teamed up with individual experts all month to month and a la carte. Whether you're looking for a Facebook advertiser, a web designer, or a fractional CMO, 
We can help you drive growth for your business. We've successfully grown over 2,500 brands, and we're here to help you too. No matter your goal, we've got you covered. To learn more, visit hawkmedia.com. That's hawk with an E, media.com. You've been listening to Hawk Talk. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think this podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.